This is a crowd podcast. And then once he's got you hurt, if he's if he if he catches you, he's got an instinctive killer finish. George versus Canelo at super middleweight. Who wins and how? Which opponent should next be for Canelo? And in answer to the question, the crowd absolutely loved it too. Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the George Groves Boxing Club. How about that then, Deck? How about that, George? I'm not bad, mate. How are you? How's how's Blighty? How's sunny old London? London's good. London's good. We've had a, a lot of boxing this weekend. A lot, a lot of boxing to get through, which is always good. Um, keeps you sort of racking up air miles, seeing amazing parts of the planet, you know, socialising with uh, superstar people, I'm sure, which I can't wait to hear about. You being in Las Vegas for the Sol Canelo Alvarez V. Jamel Charlo. I was in London. I was working deck, believe it or not. I had a job. I was covering the Sky Card at Yule Call. So we there was covering a couple of McGuigan guys. Well, actually only one. But McGuigan was busy because he was over in Wembley for a zone card. Busy old weekend of boxing. But let's start where you were, deck. You're out in Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena. Who won? How did it go? Well, as I'm sure most people know by now, Canelo won. Uh, he's too big, far too big for Jamal Charlo. It was reasonably easy work for him. Um, dropped Charlo in the seventh. Uh, Scorecards, therefore, were 118-109 twice and 119-108. So basically a shutout. And it kind of went the way that many people were predicting, i.e. Canelo just too too good and too big. But I was disappointed with Charlo and he was kind of... He, it, admitted he was kind of disappointed in himself because he didn't really show up. He didn't really give it a go. He's got a bit of a hammering, actually. People saying he sort of turned up in survival mode, took his money and left. Um, I was expecting more from him. As you know, if you listened last week, thought he might cause an upset or just be a bit of a wild card. He was a card, but it wasn't, wasn't very wild. Yeah, he's gone into survival mode and from the get-go, you're like, oh, it's this sort of fight. Uh, where Canelo doesn't really yet need to get out of first gear. He drops him in the seventh and you think, all right, well, maybe we'll get rid of him now and he don't. The Charlo corner, you can hear Derek James selling him in the corner. You're losing and you've got to do more, but he kind of doesn't. My question, but not just my question, Daniel has asked, he's coming from Twitter and he's asked, what was the atmosphere like in the arena? Vegas was a bit a bit quiet. I've been doing fights here for 10 years now and it wasn't the usual buzz mayhem of a fight week here. It was kind of a bit subdued. There was loads of people at the weigh-in and it was like, okay, he's, you know, we're back, we're in business now. Uh, it wasn't full. There were some tickets available, but it felt full. They, they curtained a bit off, but it was, you know, and massively pro Canelo crowd Charlo getting booed on the when he showed him on the on the uh, screens and stuff before when they showed Julio Cesar Chavez like he he arrived the place went mental uh, the atmosphere was brilliant for that the, the atmosphere for the undercard was quite shite it wasn't a classic undercard to be honest there weren't great fights on it I mean some of the fights looked like good and I was really excited about in particular Erickson Lubin against Jesus Ramos it was very poor so it's like you know when the undercard's a bit crap it kind of puts a pin in things but then as soon as it's main event time and everyone realises it. It just like went up a notch or 10 notches. Canelo's walkout, I'm never a fan of people getting wrapped to the, to the ring. It, it never works. But he got these guys, I think they're called Santa Fe Crew or Clan, Santa Fe Clan, two Mexican rappers. 
It was such a good ring walk. The place was going mental for it. And and it just hammered home. Yeah, Canelo is still the star. Charlo was catching him a couple of times. A couple of times caught him with a straight right hand. He was trying to land like a big sort of leaping left hook. And Canelo just realised, this guy can't trouble me. I can do what I want. And by sort of four or five rounds in, he's just stomping forward with his hands down, just foot pressure the whole time. Charlo had no uh, answer for it. He just sort of spent the whole fight on his bike really and to be fair he showed good conditioning in that sense what we've seen you mentioned Derek James obviously he was in that same arena only a few months ago with with Errol Spence getting beaten up and I think what we've seen is PBC guys like so Charlo being one are famously inactive and I think it just shows that activity is important and although they might be getting paid a lot of money for for a big fight and then they can have a bit of time off they don't get any head trauma and stuff they stay preserved as Charlo said it's important to be active. And Canelo has been active, even though he had that injury after the Golovkin fight, he still maintains activity and it showed. And in answer to the question, the crowd absolutely loved it too. It felt like Charlo was, wasn't, had no intentions of winning. The jab was disappointing. He's sort of flicking, you know, a flicking jab. There's no purpose behind it. And you know, if you're fighting someone like Canelo, you've got to have to stamp the jab and, and ramrod it into his face to just keep him at bay, just stop him marching forward. You know, you can put together sweet combinations, Charlo, and control, you know, control his positioning, not lose the legs under him and stuff like that. But they came few and far between. It was like rounds apart before he'd even commit to a shot, let alone throw it and land it it went right for for Canelo on the night I suppose what next which is definitely what some of the listeners of uh of the show have been in touch with we've got from Amit we've got which opponent should next be for Canelo makes sense to avoid Bivol uh as I doubt it would not make a different result but there are so many other options especially if fights so often at catch weights. He signed a three-fight deal with PBC, did Canelo, after he left his own, um, who, who he'd been with for, for a long time. That was the first of them. So Pivol is with is on his own still. So I don't see that fight being made in this PBC deal, but I might be wrong. The main guy who is on PBC is David Benavidez. Um, and for me, that is the fight to make in boxing now. Benavidez, obviously Mexican monster, big puncher, strong at the weight, is not going to run away. He's going to have it. Might end up getting stopped because of it, but that's what's going to happen. He is boxing Demetrius Andrade in a really good fight, November 25th. On the undercard of that, Jamal Charlo is boxing Jose Benavidez. So the Benavidez brothers are on the, on the card. Andrade against Big David and Jamal Charlo against Jose. If Benavidez comes through that in November, timing-wise, Cinco de Mayo could not be any better. That has to be the fight for Cinco de Mayo. Like two Mexicans in a war. Like it's just the stuff that dreams are made of. It's the dream fight for me. Anything outside of that is a bit disappointing. Chris Eubank Jr. has been sort of running his mouth as he would. Uh, he actually tweeted saying Canelo needs to fight someone who's going to get in there. Put it on his ass. He said, someone who actually wants to win, not just survive, secure a payday and give him a sweet little hug after. This shit is getting embarrassing. I don't want a hug. I want that scalp. Hashtag Canelo Eubank. Now, Eubank's worked with the PBC before. I don't hate that fight. There was talk of Terence Crawford jumping up. 
Canelo said, not in the plan. And I like that because Crawford's a welterweight. We saw against Charlo, Canelo's too big and too strong for, for these smaller guys. So I'm sure Crawford would give a better account of himself than Charlo did. But I'm just not that interested in that, George. Are you? No, I think I think there is just too much of a, a weight jump. He's not small for the weight, but he, he has, that's his third weight division, isn't it? Is he his third or is he his fourth that he's been up from? So he's not, and he's not a huge man to start with. I think, I think size would just make it a bit of a non-starter. Um, I'm with you. I think Benavidez is the best fight to make. And then, you know, uh, Canelo versus Mexican Monster on Cinco de Mayo should be a massive, ma- well, it will, of course, be a massive, massive fight. You know, I'm sure fight week would feel very different in Vegas if it is in Vegas for the entire week, different from what it felt for you this week. And I think Benavidez, you know, probably the one to push him the most you know because he's that big and if he gets it right and he's in form and he's up for it it could be you know a hard one to sort of gauge what and predict what's going to happen in the build up to that fight Eubank clever from him throws himself in the mix and yeah if you if a Eubank who sort of is genuine about wanting to go in there and have a scrap and try and win and not survive then you know that would be a good fight I wouldn't pick him to win I don't think he's he sort of outgunned in many, many attributes of his, you know, the game, but it'll be a great one to watch and it'll be a good sell, you know, not just in the States, here in the UK, it'll gain massive traction. It's, it'll be a, it'll be a mega fight, like a, a huge fight. I don't know if it, it still feels like it, no one was really going too crazy for the fight over here Sunday morning, you know, been out and about today. The boxing people I know have asked if I've seen the fight, but no one was sort of super animated about it. got a couple more questions for you George um, I'm just going to go through on Instagram people who got in touch on our Instagram thanks everyone um, for doing so James Hazelwood big old Hazelwood Deck did you did Canelo perform better than you expected or did Charlo underperform in your opinion I think a bit of both I think mainly Charlo underperformance made it made Canelo look good in that fight here's one a couple of people asked this George Craig Barwick being one George versus Canelo at super middleweight who wins and how not not the easiest night's work, but you got to use your height and reach against him. You got to throw a rock hard, solid, varied jab to keep him honest to stop him walking through. Otherwise, it is is a really hard night's work. You know, since he's moved up to middleweight, he's he's nowhere near as elusive as he used to be. See, like now, I just feel like he's a tank. And well, it doesn't matter if Canelo slips or the shot just bounced off his head. He still just carries on marching forward to land his bigger shots and that's how he's consuming his opponents that's how he's winning and rightly so so as a fighter you've got to be able to think to yourself I've got to back myself to be strong enough maybe sit and trade in the pocket and be tight and clever and no giving away no shots but also control him at longer range and that would be what how if I was going to fight him that's of course how I would have to fight him um, I think I'd win the the jab exchanges and then try and yeah tee him up for that right hand that's going to come over the top I've got another question on that Josh Dyson said George what round would you have knocked him out I'd have suckered him in and then I would have uh, I would have wiped the floor of him by seven I think one more on Canelo Callum Jones 17 asked for someone who has achieved as much as Canelo what do you think the end game is for him he sat there at the presser with his missus and his kids He's got all this money. He's won everything. He's won, he can't unless he's going up to cruiserweight, which he seems to have gone cold on. It's like what else has he got to achieve? He's done everything. Maybe he's still doing it for the money. But he said what he wants to do is he's doing it. He, he's continuing to box because he wants his family to see what he does. I get you know his little kids now are sort of at an age where they can kind of realise what he's doing. He, he was like 
it was so, it was very cute. There was a video of him before when he's warming up and his son's in there and his son's like shaped up, throwing shots at him and he's like slipping him. You know, he's using his little toddler son for a for a warm up. And he says he wants to he wants to box. He wants to do it while while they're aware. Obviously, when they were babies, they don't know what he's doing. Now they are that awareness. He wants to show them what he does, which I thought was very sweet. And I never thought about that. And that's what he said because I'm I'm there scratching my head, going, "What are you still doing this for, mate?" He obviously loves it, and it obviously must be impossible for him to walk away with that much money and adulation on the table but it does beg that question George but can you understand what he says when he says when he says um he wants to do it like his family to be around while he's doing this stuff uh, each is different each is different and I, I think for him right now I'd imagine that he ain't had any sticky moments really you know he had the, the bivol loss but he had moved up in weight you know he didn't get hiding he didn't get like he got he got soundly I thought he got soundly beat but he didn't get buzzed and rocked and to climb up off the floor and really come unstuck AJ ain't really caught up with him properly yet it's not like he is on the demise and he's thinking right let's get out now before I suffer a loss that I'm going to regret you know you know like Mayweather when Mayweather's at the top and you're like what's the motivation for him obviously he loves being the man he loves talking about being you know the greatest of all time but also he had like the Pacquiao fight where he earned an obscene amount of money. Canelo, of course, he's making bundles of money, but I don't think he's making what he has done before in the past. He, you know, he, they announced that mega, mega deal with DAZN, which sort of imploded it almost instantly. He still boxed on DAZN, but I don't know what the, what the purses were, but I'd imagine it was nowhere near what it has what what, what it was first agreed and then since then he's, he's flip-flatted about and they don't need money he's got enough money now whether it's just he enjoys being in the gym enjoys the camaraderie of that lifestyle enjoys being the man being the fighter being fucking Canelo Alvarez and now a new avenue is that he wants his family his young family to see what he does I think he'll do this. This PBC deal to me felt like a retirement tour, not like a testimonial, but I'll get my money like Mayweather. I'll get my money now. My PBC, my PBC on Showtime pay-per-view. By the way, Showtime might be dropping out of the sport, but that's, that's for another day. But now after being around him this week and talking to him and hearing him last night, I feel like there's more to come than just this PBC deal. He's been going 18 years as a pro. He says he reckons he's got four or five years left in him. I think he'll keep going until the big fights dry up or until he loses one of them. So say he gets chinned by Benavides does that might be him saying nah or if he does he'll probably come back have a rematch if he wins that he keeps going if he loses you know it's one of them but we'll see with charlo though george just quick one on charlo we don't want to don't want to dwell on it too much he called out crawford in the ring afterwards and in the presser do you think that's a good fight he says he's got business to take care of at 154 pounds i'm interested in that crawford fight because it was still a high level boxing match you know charlo still got got the skills he just he didn't have any intent to win which is very disappointing but i'm sure he would be thinking and feeling very different with the much smaller Crawford in front of him. But if the fight's made, I'll, I'll definitely be tuning in. One man, George, I think, or or boy, actually, who, who I think is going to end up being in these fights, is a guy called Kermel Moton. Made his debut yesterday. He's like the May Floyd Mayweather protege. 17 years old. It's the one who Mayweather said that he could, he could fight and beat Lee Wood on his debut. Featherweight prospect. I mean, looks amazing. He looks like a little Javonta Davis. I mean, Javonta Davis is not big, but a little aversion. 17, he knocked out his bloke inside the first round. 
It was only a six rounder. He didn't need all of them. I mean, he's not going to fight Lee Wood next, but this guy is not short of confidence. Uh, when I spoke to Shakur Stevenson in the top ranked gym this week, spoke about Moten and he said he reminds him of Naoya Inoue. And someone said to him last night, oh, Shakur reckons you're, you're going to be like Inoue. And he said, well... I think I'll be much better than him when all said and done. But he's 17. I just wanted to say, remember the name, Kermel Moton. Maybe we'll get him on the show one day. Very, very hot prospect coming out of the Mayweather gym. The next Javonta Davis. Charlo, who was undisputed, but as he ringwalked, was stripped of one of his titles. And someone was ripe and ready to collect that. It was an Australian chap called Tim Zhu. Uh, I haven't seen the fight. I don't even know if he has fought for it or they just gave it to it, but... That popped up on my feed last night, which I thought was fascinating. It made me think, Australian boxing's doing well. And i tell you who was on the show last week was a fella called Jai Opataya. I, I, Jai Opataya. He told me his name last week. I've forgotten it. But he boxed at Wembley Arena. He wasn't happy about the the, the hotel situ, but he's um he showed up ripe and ready. What do you think? He's a beast, man. Like that, I mean, Jordan Thompson... <laughs> That was a hard night for him. And okay, we're not talking about clearly like an elite world level cruiserweight in Jordan Thompson. He's not quite there yet. Opataya just set about him. That was a brutal beatdown. Just a ring walk, like the fire in his eyes. He's a serious proposition for anyone. He staked this claim as the number one in the cruiserweight division. You know, people will, might disagree, one man in particular, but he's doing everything he needs to after such a long layoff. And he got, you know, we talked about shop window. He, he, took advantage of it. Everyone's talking about Jaya Pattaya. Tyson Fury wants to spar him ahead of the Oleksandr Usyk fight and you can see why. He's that sort of that sort of um, customer. He was brilliant. He, he punched with intent and spite. Dangerous fight. I mean, considering he's been out of the ring since, was it July last year? No signs of ring rust whatsoever. Yeah, he's accurate. He's powerful. He's strong. But he's got that, it's not amateurish, but it is that sort of strong calves, bit of, a bit of bouncing, you know, back and forth, back and forth. He drops out of range really quickly and then springs back in with them long straight shots. And then once he's got you hurt, if, he's, if, he, if he catches you, he's got an instinctive killer finish. Thompson done well to get through that third round. I thought they were going to pull, pull the fight then if the referee don't. I didn't think Tony Sims, the trainer in the corner, was going to let him go. But, you know, it's a world title fight and he's had the minute to recover. He gives him that warning that, you know, you need to buck up your ideas this round judge comes out lands the first punch him in the fourth round um and it's and it's as good as over i tried to watch the ring walk to see if he'd come out in the ggbc hoodie i haven't seen him in it much since hopefully you know at least he, he wore it home for that we ain't gone home yet has he no he's, he's still in london isn't he we don't i'll get hold of him before he gets to um amsterdam guess who else was on the card Another ECM, Ellie the Scotney Cockney. She had to get out early doors, right? Because um, her trainer, Shane McGuigan, he was double booked, but he had Ellie Scotney in a world title fight uh, at Wembley Arena, as well as having Caroline Dubois fighting at main event on Sky at the York Hall in East London. So he had to get like north, northwest to like east. So he had Scotney the Cockney on at seven o'clock to defend her world title which I think she likes I think she likes getting getting the job done nice and early put her feet up watch the rest of the boxing I have yet to see her full fight I've seen the highlights of it but yeah another exceptional one-sided win from her box really calm and cute highly skilled contest 
uh, highly skilled performance from her. It's a hard division to unify. There's some good champions, the Mylin Rivas, Mikado, and there's a Fre- the French WBO champion. Like it's good, it's good champions. Um, but she said she'll stick around at the weight if she can get unifications. But a uh, big night for her. It was the first one since the sad death of her of her nan Eileen. Uh, you know the the sort of cult hero on Twitter who used to give the two finger salute up, dedicated to her to her nan. Gave the old two fingers up to the camera as well in celebration. So yeah, great night for Ellie. Also great night, big, big win for another ECM, Chevron Clark. Vasil Dukar is a good, good fighter and Clark did the business against him. I think he's a real serious proposition, Chevron Clark, in this cruiserweight division. What do you think, George? He can fight. He can definitely fight and it's just another one. We can't help... It's not our fault we keep booking cruiserweights to come and join the club, but there's so many of them about and they can all fight. They're all really good fighters. So... Yeah, no, uh, another great performance from him. You know, he, you know, I don't think he really wants to. You know, he's not gunning out for the for the for the world champions quite yet. But um, he's on the move, he's on the rise, and he's you know he's looking to progress. So, um, no, another brilliant performance from him. Before we chat about your call, George, got a question and it's about Jai Opataya. Of course, on our episode, if you haven't heard it, by the way, you've got to go and listen to it. You find out a lot about him. He said the fight above all that he wants is Chris Bullum-Smith for his WBO title, a unification with Chris. For me, I can't think of many more entertaining, exciting action fights than Opataya against CBS. Surely that's the fight we all want. Both styles will gel for, for a fantastic fight. We're waiting on a date for Chris Billum Smith. You know, I feel like there's been a, there's a lot of trouble in this cruiserweight division in terms of making the fights so difficult. There's lots of paperwork, lots of is it on, is it off? Obviously, he's got that rematch clause, which I'm not sure if it's expired or not. Lawrence O'Coley would have had as the champion giving Chris a voluntary, but it seems like he's not going down that route. Talk of Masternick and, and others, but it, I think Chris probably hopefully get out again soon within the within the end of the year and then that's that and that's a big fight okay over to your call then finally where you were working sweet caroline big fight biggest test and how does she get on she was in with this this lady rodriguez who uh a mexican fighter with a couple of losses on her record but the losses you know when you watch it back these rounds could be going either way a lot of her fights finish with a majority decision or a split decision and last time i can't think of the the lady she fought but she fought for a world title and she lost a split but she should have got it and um that was evident when rodriguez started caroline the more skillful fighter for sure but uh, rodriguez was tough like good fitness you know good attitude couldn't match caroline's hand speed but then decided i'm gonna punch with her and try and finish the exchanges so caroline had to be switched on she's got that amazing short right hook out of the the southpaw stance uh, sometimes she throws it you know as her opponent's walking in she might be just dropping back trying to walk them onto it sometimes it comes at the end of an exchange she might whip it down to the to the body trying to get behind the elbow and then come up to the head and she got that off with great success saturday night the first knockdown happened off that right hook to the head she gets buzzed from it and you can see it's had the effect. You know, the legs are starting to stiffen and a couple more shots come in and she sort of falls forward. She makes the count to her credit. The two-minute rounds help her. Literally, by the time she's up, the bell uh, has rung. She gets the minute recovery. But Caroline gets gets her again slightly, maybe slightly concussed, but also just all over the shop. She falls, she falls forward in sort of like a forward roll 
um, spits the gum shield out. But even in the very last round, the tenth round, she's out and she's um, she's going for it. She's trying to she's trying to take Caroline's head off. So um, she certainly came to win. Very different from the Charlo performance. Yeah, a bit of silverware in the in the in the bank and a and a really good performance. What she's doing now is maneuvering herself in a position. So if they do fragment or if there is an opportunity, she's front of the queue and she's proving time and time again she's the business, she's the truth. So yeah, and she's in the club, of course, which is very important for everyone. But George, for listeners, how can they become an elite club member just like Caroline Dubois and Jai Opataya? If they want to become an elite club member, they don't have to come all the way from Australia and pulverise the British opponent uh, defending their world title. They can simply become an elite club member by hitting the follow button in their podcast app. Also, if you uh, want to reach out to us, then please do via our socials. Uh, it is GG Boxing Club on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Uh, you can email us, ggboxingclub at crowdnetwork.co.uk if you've got something a little bit more long-winded to say. Don't forget to check out our playlist, The Ring Walk, which is on Spotify. So open your Spotify app, search The Ring Walk. If you can't find it, then get back on the socials get on the link tree and uh, find our link to the ring walk there. You can also find a link to our merch page if you want to get merched up. Christmas is coming. Halloween's coming. Maybe we'll bring out a Halloween range of hoodies and hats and water bottles and some of that other crazy crap. Uh, We are back Wednesday as always and we are with the brilliant Michael Conlon. Deck will be back, jet lagged as fuck, but he is on his way. I think he might even be already gone to just slip into one more pool party before uh, he's back in sunny blighty. So we'll leave him in peace and we look forward to seeing you Wednesday. Bye.